0: this podcast is part of the
1: red five network for more red five network podcasts visit red network.com
2: do you like sci-fi fantasy action adventure and comic books then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek so strap in and let's get this show on the road welcome to the science fictionary podcast
0: Welcome, everyone, to the Science Fictionary Podcast, the podcast brought to you by the ScienceFictionary.com, where we bring you all things in the world of sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, in the world of pop culture. And I'm Daniel, and joining me today are Marisha. Hello. And Andrew.
2: What's going on, everybody?
0: And David. Hey, everyone. We're going to get right into this, I think, because we've had a, some interesting stuff happening. Uh, our Twitter account earlier today posted a question about ranking what we consider the four pillars of sci-fi, a novel, TV show, movie, and any miscellaneous item. So obviously we have to make these lists also ourselves. Um, and I wanted to touch on that topic tonight. I think that was a really interesting question. The problem is for each category, I've got about four things listed.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to I was <laughs> gonna talk to you about it. And I think what we need to do is that we need to. We need time to. Everybody needs time to prepare their list, but I think we need to do an episode of each one of those pieces. Um, okay. So we can do a novels episode, a TV episode, a movies episode, and then
0: like a, a miscellaneous.
3: Although I think it might be fun just to like get everybody's off the cuff. Like
0: if you just. And pull- this is what I wanted to do. That's yeah. Yeah. And wish and a hit on it. I, I at least want us to give our initial list real quick tonight and we can one expand on. upon them in future episodes
3: and then mm-hmm. delve deeper later I think,
0: yeah, I think maybe Andrew said what he just said to push this off because I don't think Andrew's got his list ready <laughs> you know I,
3: I don't
2: I, I could I've got a number especially with the novels it's hard to narrow it down to one
0: it's very hard
2: Um, I you know I tend towards things like H.G. Wells as the time machine Mm -hmm. Um, but if I was going to make a list of four novels, I'm putting Dune on my list, but Dune is, Dune is a couple down my list because I would put, um, uh, Asimov's, um, foundation, uh, very high on that list, 20,000 leagues under the sea, uh, Jules Verne. Yes. And, and Dune, I mean, if I was going to do novels, that's, that's really my four novels.
0: Right. And. Dune is at my list. See, I, I kinda did it a little bit differently because we, we have the ones I kind of think most people hit on with novel, Doom, television, Star Trek,
2: mm-hmm.
0: movies, Star Wars, even though we had this debate where we consider Star Wars sci fantasy is kind of like I'm allowed to call it. But it is it is sci fi. It fits in that category. Star Wars completely changed the way movies are are viewed, mm-hmm. especially science fiction or science fantasy movies so star wars is there uh the miscellaneous is where you can get a little bit weird with it um so those would be the the three for the main categories that i think everybody kind of hit on i I can't talk about novels without mentioning 1984 war of the worlds Mm -hmm. hg wells and something that's hard to consider a novel but well, yeah, you can. But John Carter of Mars, Edgar mm-hmm. Rice Burroughs. But for the time it was written, and actually, that's still enjoyable. And that movie was terribly marketed. That's a darn good movie. I love, you know, John Carter of Mars is is one of my favorite sci-fi books. Um, and with television, of course, you would Star Trek at the top of the list. If anybody has another television series size Star Trek at the top of their list, they're just wrong.
3: I know, okay. You could though make the argument, you could argue for the Twilight Zone.
0: And guess what's guess what's next on my list? Can you see it? <laughs> right. I pointed just so everyone knows, I pointed my Skype camera at my list right here so Marissa could see. I have Twilight Zone because I can't mention sci fi television without Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Um And with movies, I've got, you know, stuff like Planet of the Apes. Mm. um, And staying with Charlton Heston movies, Soylent Green. Like, and I I, I feel like I go back to dystopian science fiction, because I mentioned 1984 also. Mm -hmm. But, you know, those things are what in sci-fi kind of made people think. And sort of elevated it to another level. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. Well, I was putting to guess. Sorry. a miscellaneous category, uh, the World of Worlds radio show was revolutionary. The stories behind what that did to people was crazy. And as a comic book fan, I will tell y'all, if you've never read Valerian and Laureline, <clears throat> first of all, the Valerian movie's terrible. Don't even bother watching that. But that comic book series was groundbreaking. Jean-Claude mezure always had to stop to pronounce his name. Jean-Claude Mezure, as a French writer, Valerian and Laureline ran for, I don't even know how many years. And it inspired a lot of science fiction we, we know and see now. You just have to pick it up and read it and see it. Yeah. So... It's hard to make these lists and narrow some of these categories down to one. It (laughs) It is, and especially the
2: miscellaneous category. I don't know if y'all will be able to see this, and I do not know the name of this piece. It's a a Ralph McQuarrie painting. It's one of his first paintings of C-3PO and R2-D2. And when I start thinking about science fiction, like visually, that's one of the first images that comes to my mind.
0: Right. And I would... Also, if we're talking about science fiction artwork, when I start thinking about stuff, the early, again, I'm still in comic books, but Jack Kirby.
2: Yeah, I know. Comic books definitely belong in this discussion. They they just do.
0: The the The, the visual Jack Kirby threw at you in the early days of Marvel were, again, we're talking about the pillars and the cornerstones of science fiction. That stuff was groundbreaking. It influenced the way people visualize science fiction.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. The, the Marvel, the Marvel Galaxy is huge. It is so much more in depth than people probably think. Like there's so much you got a, You got a guy like uh, Jim Starlin who creates Thanos and then just turns. If, if you look at like just the Marvel sci-fi, the realm of, of Marvel that is sci-fi and, and the galaxy in space, that's all like a whole separate thing that is its own little universe and lore, you know, it, it could be something like Star Wars or Star Trek where it's just this um, completely um, incredible piece of science fiction that you don't think about it because it's technically a part of the Marvel Universe it's in the same universe as Captain America or whatever, but just the lore that's behind the Marvel the Marvel space is is super super in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when I was putting together my list, uh, I, a couple of things came to mind, and, and when I got to the misc category, I don't want people to forget about uh, movies like Alien or The Thing or, or Terminator. Uh, the, the those uh, science fiction that kind of like open up this a bit edgier. Slash horror side of, of, of science fiction, like okay. Ant- for example, like that's science fiction, but that's also just a pure horror. Um, and, and Terminator is you, you don't think of it as science fiction at f- when maybe not at first, but but time time travel and and um and and, and the the robots and everything like that, and just I I, I really I think of Terminator as one of the first things that comes to mind when I think about about science fiction.
3: Yeah, that's true. And I didn't even, um, I didn't even think Terminator.
2: Yeah, I mean, I yep. thought you know I tended towards older stuff intentionally, but I mean, and that's why in that that tweet, I was very careful to say everybody's got a, a different experience with yeah. what is sci-fi to me. And so people are going to naturally choose some different things. I think for some things, everybody's going to have, like, it's real hard to not put Star Trek as your number one on TV. It's just, it's, it yep. changed the way, it it wasn't just early sci-fi on TV, it changed the way people viewed sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi had been, I mean, it's like comparing the old Batman TV series to, like, The Dark Knight. It's it changed the way people looked at science fiction. You know, prior to that, you kind of had your campy, over-the-top sci-fi monster movies.
0: Right. That's true. Some of it was kind of dystopian and dark also. I mean, stuff like, you know, we mentioned Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you get Star Trek, was was a more hopeful look at the future yeah you know, we've talked before mm-hmm. so much about how Star Trek was really about uh, the good in the human race and how we can be better yeah. um, mm-hmm. so, so and and actually and one we're forgetting about and but metropolis metropolis is a 1927 mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. If you go back and watch it, you can't tell me that didn't influence the way the droids. And Star Wars looked, you know. Yeah, and I mentioned definitely. I mentioned Valerian and Laureline. Valerian and Laureline influenced some of. You know, we've talked about George Lucas's influences before, but there's a little bit of that in there too, and very heavily influenced the Fifth Element, which is mm-hmm. actually a superior Luke Bassan film to right. Valerian. The Valerian movie is so disappointing. Fifth Element is a much better Valerian movie, to tell the truth. Um, heavily influenced Lupus on in that film, so. Um, but we we can't talk about sort of the some of the cornerstones of what science fiction was built on and not mention Metropolis, and I'm kind of embarrassed that I mm-hmm. forgot to mention it whenever we started this list. Um, so. Oh, you know what
1: else? <clears throat> you can't forget. We're talking about influential. What about Blade Runner? Um, I've played video games and read so many things and seen so many things that are just direct ripoffs of blade mm-hmm. runner. Yeah. And like entirely, like the entire Deus Ex franchise, for example, like this huge video game franchise is a complete ripoff of blade runner. Yeah. Like there's so many things that I watch now. Like we were talking about firefly earlier. You can see blade runner influences in firefly. I think, um, it, I see it ripped off all the time. And I'm saying ripped off like it's a bad thing. Uh, I I think it's great because I love all those things. Um, But I just, everywhere, when I think about... Yeah, heavily influenced. (laughs) Like, whenever I write things sci-fi, like, I do a lot of writing. um, Whenever I write things sci-fi, it's actually funny, my partner that I write with, she's a big Star Trek fan, and one of my favorite sci-fi movies is Blade Runner, and so we have these arguments with each other, on if it's going to be a super dark thing like Blade Runner, or this super hopeful thing like Star Trek. Like I'm like, okay, so what if we do a story about like dystopian and uh, we're in the slums and it's about a cop? And she's like, huh? What if we do a story where they just talk it out and and, and hug each other? You know, <laughs> it, it's like this real battle that we have.
0: <laughs> the
3: battle of the worldviews there. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. It's hard to have a compelling story without conflict. Yeah, that's that. That is true. That, yeah,
1: you're. Right. I know. I know. You don't have to tell me that.
2: <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. In, in in all this conversation, I mean, David just mentioned something that I mean, we talk about these cornerstones of sci-fi, and I mean, we haven't even gotten into what gaming over the last thirty years has done for science fiction.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh like my! Things Effect. like Halo
2: and Mass Effect.
1: Halo. Halo is a great example. Halo is is um. There's nothing like Halo.
0: Well, no, my thing about the video games is not that they don't contribute greatly to sci-fi, um, but they're so much more influenced by things that have come before more than they're influencing the things that are coming after. That's and when true. when we sort of talk about, so when we talk about this kind of stuff, that's kind of where my mind goes well, is what's been the pinnacle of sci-fi and what has... Been the sci-fi in the past that has influenced things that have come after, and and I'm not sure I can put a lot of video games in that category.
1: Right, you're right. Like video games, uh, everything I play with video games is usually being inspired by something else, and but there are plenty of new ideas in it. But what I would argue is that Mm -hmm. video games, what their big contributor is to science fiction, is introducing younger generations into the bigger world of what science fiction can be. Before I played Mass Effect. I mean, I, you know, I'd seen stuff like Star Wars and I was aware of things like that. But, like, before I played Mass Effect, I had no idea that it was even, like, conceivable that you could create these huge universes full of these interesting alien characters and and to do the things that they were able to do. Before I played games like Halo, that I I opened up my mind to that sort of thing. Like, I'd seen Star Wars, yeah, but what really got me into, you know, I... Mass Effect is a big is heavily influenced by Star Trek, but I played Mass Effect first, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's what that's what a lot of people are going to do. And when they're playing, when when they're getting into sci fi, is play these really yeah. popular video games. So,
2: and, and it's this thing where Daniel's right; these things. When you're talking about the cornerstone, I mean, that's why the 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 most recent novel on my list was written in the '50s. <laughs> you know, because those are the things that everything is building on now. Now, 50 years down the road, you might look back and go, I mean, and you're already beginning to see it, where so many things have tried to build on the back of Halo and Mass Effect. And yeah. so, you know, 50 years down the road, you may look at it and go, what is modern sci-fi today, and what was it influenced by? And you go, well, you know, Halo is certainly one of those those key pieces. But Yeah, that's a good point. Hmm. Um, that's why I, I really trended towards much older stuff with, with a lot of of what I, I was talking about. But, I mean, there are certainly things that you can, more recent things that you can certainly make an argument for when you're talking about sci-fi TV shows. I mean, there were a number of shows in the 80s and 90s that you can make strong arguments for.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. So X-Files. It just
1: clicked. There's so many things that... Eh... eh. Okay, but it's a sci-fi yeah. show, and it's, it's older, and and you know, and
2: what it had, did, what it did for the genre. I mean, yeah, it's it's I don't like Andrew know.
0: said, it raised a generation of conspiracy theories. <laughs> and we're going to talk about X Files here in just a few minutes, so.
1: Right. Well, that's why it just instantly cooked in my mind, and I had to scream it out.
3: But I mean, that's the great thing about sci-fi is it's so um, collaborative in, in that way that it you sort of draw. It's it's like
2: well, you're imagining a new future. Exactly. And that's why it you get so many things that build on the backs of the things that came before it. Is because mm-hmm. you're not talking about something that exists. You're you're constantly reevaluating what our future could be.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You have stuff like Back to the Future, where that future already took place. So it's like right. that's a great example of now we have to completely every uh, the further and further we get into the future, you're completely reevaluating of exactly what you just said, what it's go- what it's going to be like. And,
3: right, and that's what, you know,
1: it's it's constantly changing and evolving, and, and you know, like something I've noticed is like a lot of the technology they use in Star Trek that they visualize as super futuristic. We've already passed up, yep. right? Like the tablets and everything like that. So mm-hmm. what is sci-fi going to be like? Well, now we have to think even further than that. We have to come up with even more advanced technology and and, and push it forward. And, you know, I, you're right. It's all older stuff right now, but in 50 years, what's right. it going to be? And you, you, you made the great point, Andrew, that like everybody's experience is different. So that's why whenever I say something like Mass Effect, I see my dad roll his eyes. But but genuinely, for me, like... Oh, I like Mass Effect. effect I know you, but I'm just saying that, like, you can roll but, your eyes and say, yeah, it's not really a pillar. But, but for me, and I'm sure for many people that are closer to my age, it's not a pillar. But, right. but, but it's definitely one of the most influential things that I've ever experienced in sci-fi. Right. The and way I think about sci-fi is is largely impacted by Mass Effect, just for an example. And so it, it's it's different for everybody.
2: Well and that's the thing, there's a twenty year age disparity there, you know, so it's different slightly yeah, so different view when, of the world. When you're
1: when this new generation of writers, mm-hmm. you know, when people my age start publishing sci fi books, what's that gonna be like and and what are their influences going to be? And is it going to be more like these more recent things and then so on and so forth?
3: Yeah. So here's what I'm curious about, though. What were y'all's miscellaneous topics? Because I mean, there's lots. You well, know, TV and 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 movies and books. Those kind of lend themselves to immediate, you know, immediate list. But what about? What did y'all come up? Did y'all come up with anything?
0: Well, I, I mentioned my miscellaneous. It was. I mean, it really, the War of the Worlds radio show. The radio show, okay. Um, yeah, my, my main one, though, did hit the world of comic books, talking about Valerian and Laureline. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if anybody else has anything in miscellaneous, but I've already kind of mentioned and touched on mine, so. Well,
2: I mean, I, I had that, that Macquarie art. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marisha mm-hmm. mentioned Holt's The Planets, which mm-hmm. is actually what we use as the themes. one of the Mars the Mars theme is actually the theme for our other show. Um, right.
3: I mean, if you just sit down and listen to it, so much of what we perceive as sci-fi music, you know, going back mm-hmm. to like the, um, you know, the, the, the old campy stuff, you know, back in the day, um, kind of drew a lot of its influence and in its sounds from the planet's. You know, you're sort of kind of, you know, your little kind of star music, you know, going on. So that was, that was my You're obviously
0: not referring to, you're obviously not referring to Queen Soundtrack for Flash Gordon. So,
3: no, no. Anyway. So, how about you, David? What did you have for your miscellaneous option word thing? Hopefully, miscellaneous, you uh, um, were
2: miscellaneous to is
3: novel or oh, whatever.
1: Yeah. So.
3: Uh, see, that's where
1: I was really was stuck because you know, like for things, are very different. Just for an example, I don't think like when it came to novels, y'all had like five, right? And uh-huh. I was completely blanked because really? I just haven't read all the sci-fi novels like you guys. And so, same thing when it comes to miscellaneous. But um, so I just left that blank. Like I had no idea. I, but but. That's just—I don't know why I wasn't thinking about this, but I would definitely say anything um, music uh, in sci-fi from any, like John Williams, right? Anything that he did Mm -hmm. for, especially for like Star Wars, now completely influences everything that is made in sci-fi because when you think about sci-fi one of you had to think about all these senses and one of them is, is what you're hearing and it's that music and that just channels all of the emotions that are associated with sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would probably say not just star Wars itself in the movies, but just as its own separate thing, the entire uh, star Wars soundtrack.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And just the, the star Wars score.
3: sounds. I mean, man, um, right? um Ben Burt, you ben know, Burt, yeah. and, and those, just incredible sounds that he concocted for this galaxy far far away were just
1: this all, all of r2d2's little noises you know mm-hmm. like everything like that that's a great point and you don't that doesn't come to your mind right away which is why i didn't think about it at first but now it's why so i'm talking about it because it's that that's the kind of thing that if you're sitting down and you're gonna write because i think of influential also as in like how is it going to influence writers mm-hmm. and people who are going to create more sci-fi? When you're sitting down, and you're going to write sci-fi novels. I think definitely what's going to go through your head are all the different is all the different music you've heard mm-hmm. while listening to sci- and, sci-
0: sci- sci-fi. And this is what we're talking about: is what what has influenced the way you envision science fiction. Like if you're going to sit down and. Like David says, if you're going to sit down and write a sci-fi novel, what have you experienced in your life that is fitting to influence the way you envision what science fiction looks like and feels like? And mm-hmm. so it, it's a great topic to. Uh, to there's discuss. so many
1: more answers that are just
0: coming to my head. Like we could go on forever. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> it's a great topic to discuss, and I think Andrew's got a good idea that. Um, Maybe in future episodes, we take our what we consider the most influential sci fi novels, the most influential TV shows, and kind of do one topic at a time. Mm -hmm. Well, it's one of those things we can definitely think about doing.
2: You open that box, and the more you think about it, the more things you start pulling out and going, Well, you can't not include that.
3: Um, And what's
0: the right? And that's what I did today. (laughs) I was trying to make this list. That's why there's like four in every category. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but it was a really cool topic to put on Twitter, Andrew. I'm glad you thought of it. And it really did kind of open up a lot of interesting discussion. Did
3: you get any any sure. other good?
2: Um we had one Twitter. My my phone died. We had we only really got one other good. We had some retweets and I'm gonna try to get some other folks' uh thoughts on it and try I to get pull some we'll right try to get some help from the network pushing it. I'm I'm trying to think what seems like Charlie, who's also part of the red five network
3: uh, contributed. David's pulling it up. So he'll read it to us. Okay. Cause his phone yeah, ain't dead. Sorry.
1: <laughs>
2: I'm looking for
3: my phone.
1: Uh, he had
2: Asimov's foundations. Foundation.
1: Oh, here we go. Here we go. I got it right here. Um, yeah, it was a uh, Charlie. Um, he, his novel was, uh, Isaac as,
0: Asimov. Asmenoff,
1: Asimov. Uh, foundation. As- sorry. Foundation, uh, alone or the series. TV, Star Trek, movies, Star Wars, because it changed how movies are made, and MISC was the War of the Worlds radio drama.
3: Ah.
2: Yeah, that's a <laughs> solid list. Uh, by the way, David, Asimov is... Uh, I know you know I, Robot, like the movie. I was
0: just going to mention iRobot. But
2: Asimov wrote yeah. um, iRobot, like the 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 book, and... It's um, he was also the pr- first person to really explore the principles of robotics.
0: And those precepts have found their way into every novel about robotics or TV all sci-fi about robotics those those things have found their way in there just because they make so much sense.
3: And definitely, your Star Wars robots are you know on the nose.
2: For the most part.
3: I mean, you do have assassin droids. Right.
0: That's true. They had, we had an entire army of killer droids. Okay, the, but your the or, original, the original
2: series. Your
3: original series. Beyond
2: the original series, they really moved away from that. But That's the true. ideas behind C-3PO and R2-D2 are yeah. definitely rooted somewhat in Asimov's principles.
0: Go read... Go read Doctor Afra. Doctor Afra basically travels with uh, <laughs> evil versions of 2 d Virgin and they are hilarious. They are murder bots. That's exactly <laughs> right. And it is fantastic. But anyway, so we're gonna we gotta move on from that. Like Andrew said, we can take we can take one category a week. Moving forward, we'll try to find time to do that, and we'll probably end up doing a whole show at some point in the future just dedicated to each category about what we think are most influential novels, TV shows, movies, and other media are. But we've got to move on from it from right now. We'll end up – another topic we can talk about for nine or ten hours. Um,
3: (laughs) But Marisha's already recorded uh, for an hour and a half tonight, so.
0: Our two mainstay topics the last few weeks. Uh, we're going to move into them now, and we're going to start off with the X Files. Uh, we've kind of been trying to review the X Files a couple episodes at a time. That's okay. So we've kind of we've been reviewing X Files a couple episodes at a time, and we're almost through season one. Um, and recently watched episode nine and uh, space, and episode twenty-one tombs. Yeah, uh, I know Marissa loves the Tombs episodes. Marisha does not watch the Tombs <laughs> episodes.
3: Marisha doesn't do Tombs. Tombs is creepy.
0: Uh, I was, I was very excited to that we included episode nine because
3: yeah. Other
0: than, other than being a science fiction fan, I am also a fan of our real world space program. I, every time I go to Orlando, I or tour NASA. I am fascinated by 60s and 70s era NASA, the Mercury program through the Gemini program, and getting this sort of inside look, you know, with how they incorporated our real-life space program into this episode, I actually geeked out just from the fact that, and I know it's a set, okay, I know it's not really mission control, but the fact that we were visiting even a fictionalized version of NASA just excites Mm -hmm. me in this episode. So,
1: yeah, that was this is one of the cooler episodes so far. Was, was space, I loved it. Um, and, and like we've always said before, and a big reason that we do this, uh, reviewing X Files and Star Trek and stuff like that, is because me, the 20 year old here, has never seen X Files until now, and you guys are all mega fans, and I have been, um, uh, deprived. Of of this amazing show for so long, and so we're finally watching it. and And space was is, is one of my favorite episodes so far. I say that every time I watch a new episode. Yeah. Every time we watch a new episode, I'm like this is my favorite episode so far. But for the same reasons, like I, I I love the space program, and I love watching it, thinking that holy crap, what if this is what actually happened? You know, I love like watching X Files as if it's like a documentary. Yeah. You know, like oh man, what if this actually happened? And um, I thought it was a really cool episode i love the mystery side of it and trying to figure out like who did what like who ordered those scans who sabotaged the the spacecraft who, is this guy good or bad what are his motives what's he been through and i like going along with with scully and Mulder figuring that out i love going along the adventure with them
0: yeah. and going to these really cool places. The- yeah I love the end result answer to those questions too.
1: Me too, and they always they always give you this satisfying answer, even if it's not, even if they don't fully answer it, right? They get they they give you the satisfying ending to it, and sometimes it teases a little bit more. You know, they tell you what's going on, but they didn't ex- fully explain what this weird ghost alien is, right? You just they leave right. that hanging for you, yeah. And they do it on purpose. Like It's not bad writing that they do that. It's They're leaving it hanging there for you to think about it and for you to wor- wonder about it. And yeah. They always wrap it up sat- in a satisfying way. And and I, I, uh, I love that about the storytelling of X-Files. I love that they're able to have these full mysteries with these side characters that you start to actually care about within 40 minutes. And they have this, this beautiful little 40-minute package of an episode. And, and Space was great. I loved going along for the adventure with this one. And it was actually pretty tense near the end. Like, oh, crap. What's going to happen? I I love that. I love that kind of writing. Uh, Great episode.
3: Yeah, no, it was definitely um, one of those, like you said, they have a unique ability to answer the questions and not answer the questions at the same time, and I think that's one of the really yeah. great things about mm-hmm. X Files. It's like, and yes, yeah, so you got an answer. He was the one that sabotaged it, but like you get no sort of like, and what was it? Like what's what's the bigger story? Um, kind of like the uh, the Jersey Devils episode. It was like, okay, so it's like mm-hmm. he gives you the immediate answer, but it really leaves the larger picture question open. Yeah, there's
1: always more to uncover. There's always more to keep digging through. Like yeah. every episode of this show could be its entire own series about that one thing.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: it could be an entire show about a space ghost and the Sab and and NASA and this guy. Like it, it, it's like Scully and Mulder are like it's like their characters dropping into other TV shows mm-hmm. and seeing what's going on. And that's just a testament to the great writing because you have all the side characters yep. it, and it goes on. And I love that Spoli and Mulder are just these observers trying to get to the truth and they are just experiencing all of these things happening. This story that if they had never showed up, the story is, you get this feeling that the story is still happening. It's a living, breathing world. Yeah. And and we're just jumping in and seeing what's going on in this side of, of the Galaxy and they're great characters to go along on that adventure with. And it's a great I love the format yes. of, of this show.
3: I mean, how much creativity though? It's like any one of these episodes could be a pitch for its own show.
2: Well, and, and, and to, right. to constantly bring in these characters that are one off characters yep. and make them interesting. Yes.
0: Uh yeah, Colonel Belt is
2: Colonel good. Marcus Aurelius Belt.
0: Yeah, great name. And look. As I said, like as a fan of our real-life space program, people like John Glenn and Jim Lovell and Deke Slayton were actually really heroes of mine. And the feeling you get from Belt is almost like he's a cross between Lovell and Slayton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that just, I don't know, it, oh, it, yeah. it, 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 it did a lot for me. Yeah. Um, for people who, know, people who don't know, people don't know who John Glenn. Obviously, people understand that name, you know. But when you, if you, if you don't know who Jim Lovell or Deke Slayton are, most people know those names from Apollo 13, the Ron Howard movie, which is also one of my favorites. But Lovell in real life, for a long before we had an international space station where people could actually live in space, that man had more time in space than anyone just in an Apollo or a Gemini spacecraft. To spend that much time in space in a area no bigger than my pantry in my house would <laughs> just fascinated the hell out of me.
2: Yep. Now
0: the crazy and thing Deke Slayton was one of the original Mercury astronauts and I'm getting way off topic now. No, that's all right. <laughs> but Slayton was one of the original uh Mercury astronauts and due to a health condition could not fly and ends up being the director of the space program he was he was in charge or one of the high-ranking officials in of the space program he was actually responsible for handing out the assignments and eventually did get to fly the the uh, in the late seventies his health issue got corrected but anyway over the subject but I love the fact that like I said he belt as a character reminded me of a couple of my real life heroes Mm -hmm. and i love the fact that at the end of the story he was still a hero yeah he could not he knew he could not control the entity that had possessed him but he was trying to give everyone around him clues Mm -hmm. to help stop it
2: yeah well that's that's what Mulder. i mean Mulder at the end of it at the funeral says he died you know he was you know uh, you know, the, uh, as, a, as a true astronaut, he died for the mission.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: I just I, I love that episode. Now,
2: oddly enough, I don't. You know, things about this episode. This was one of Chris Carter's least favorite episodes of the entire first season.
3: Really, that's crazy. It was
2: also poorly rated, and it was a. Uh, it was there was a an X Files declassified book. That was out at one point that called this the dullest episode of the first season, and it's just that's crazy to me. Yeah. But uh, this was also the the craziest thing to me about this episode is that they conceived this episode to be cheap,
0: to be cheap. Yep,
2: and it ended they ran up ran
0: over budget building the set. It ended up
2: being the most expensive episode of the first season. But they did it to be cheap because the first few episodes went so over budget. Yeah. That they tried to. uh,
3: But turns out building mission control is expensive.
0: They figured they were going to save money using old NASA footage Mm. and they wouldn't have to film like any creatures or anything like that. And they go over budget building the set for a fake NASA. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So, but anyway. That's. No, but I I really enjoyed that episode. Uh, But we also have. Tombs to discuss. Um, first of all, just to jump right to the end, I love the way Tombs dies.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I always loved that. The first time I saw it as a kid, I was like, that was cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> Again, you know, picking up on the tales of it. I went ahead and did this one because we talked about it. And, and there is another Tombs episode later, but I didn't want to get into that one right now because it's it's in that stretch, I believe, where Mulder is gone. It's Doggett and Scully. And I yep. didn't want to jump that far ahead right now. Because uh, I figured if I threw that David into that, he was going to be really confused.
0: And that's yeah. not really a big... I mean,
2: no, this, the, the tomb you you story, the best for the tombs,
0: Yeah, you know,
2: to the first and second tombs episodes, uh, with squeeze and tombs are, they're, they're perfectly bookended and you get a full story.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. You don't, you don't even need the third one to understand tombs story. It's yeah. just there.
1: Um, I, it was a really cool episode. I really, I enjoyed this one more than the first tombs episode. <laughs> Uh, I think it was a great follow. Speaking of of side characters that they make us care about, I love that old detective guy uh, <laughs> that um that mm, they go yeah. to for help with tombs. Yeah, uh, I think he's super cool. Um, and I love that character, and I love characters like that because here's a guy who's like been doing what Mulder and Scully have been doing, but for like you know like what fifty years or whatever. Like that, I love the idea that these things that Mulder and Scully are, are tracking down have been around for a very long time mm-hmm. and they've been going on for a long time and there have been other people like that see these weird things with the world and they want to uncover the truth too. They're not necessarily alone in the world, there are there are other people like them who see these strange things and are able to expand their mind and and try to solve that problem. And like I said, I just love the idea that it's been going on forever. Like, this is not... like It, it fits perfectly into the the idea that Mulder and Scully are characters dropping into the world to see what's going on today.
0: Um, it, it really feels I, very Stephen King-esque, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great... That is yeah. a great... Um, oh, man, you want to talk about influential sci-fi, Stephen King. Well, and that's... Uh, I mean, and that's or, a name.
2: I mean, you got to think when this was when all this was being written, this was in the heyday of Stephen King. Mm
0: -hmm. Like he was
2: influencing all of this kind of stuff. And there's actually at least one episode that we'll cover at some point. That's a Stephen King episode that Stephen Mm -hmm. King wrote
1: that he wrote. Oh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah. I didn't even, I don't know how I didn't make that
1: connection, but this is literally like, yeah, there's all Stephen King stuff. That's super cool. I love that. Um, I love that. Uh, connection, that little connection there, but yeah, I, I loved Tooms coming back, and, and the courtroom scene, and you're just sitting there, and Mulder is like, are you guys, like, insane? Like, are you seriously, are you seriously considering this? And I love it because it's, like, sort of, like, this glimpse into real life about there are all these real-life court cases people get let out on parole, and stuff like that. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, right. how are you, you guys so blind to this? And it's because it's because Tooms is just able to uh, just pl- completely play people, and 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 that's what that's what sociopaths do. You know, they just um, completely get people on their side, and they trick the whole world. And, and you get this guy like Mulder, who's like, "Are you see?" <laughs> I I love that so much. Like, are you people so insane to let this guy out? Like, oh, if you could just see the things I've seen. Uh, so I love that, and he's like right back to it. I love the mystery. Uh, I always love the mystery. of Like who are they? Who's the, who's going to kill next? What's he doing? Um, really entertaining episode. I love the follow up. I love seeing him back.
2: Well, and the other re- there was another reason I chose this episode for right now because it introduces us to someone else, uh, Walter Skinner. And while he doesn't play a huge role in this right. episode he's going to be very, very critical going forward for the entire rest of the X-Files.
1: Oh, okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, but well, you've done a great job introducing us to these characters, like, uh, what's he called, the Smoking Man? Mm-hmm. And, um, Deep Throat. Yeah, Deep Throat, and it's setting up, like... Uh, that's the really cool thing about the show that I'm loving is... um, And I'll have to go back and, and watch all these episodes in between um, nine and, and, and 21. I love getting these, uh, slices of life of these, of these weird things. Um, but then also, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Also like continuing this big overarching story and seeing how it all connects. Yeah. And I have no doubt. I'm hoping just because you guys talk so hi- highly about it. I am hoping that it's all going to tie together And a nice little bow Well, at least come together fairly well.
2: Yeah. And 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 it's it's going to take a really long time to get through it all. And there's honestly going to be some places, and we'll skip a lot of some places, where it feels like it's waffling. You know, there's going to be some at least a season that has some really good episodes, and so we can't skip over it. But um, I'll just say that Mulder's not around. Yeah, I've, heard,
1: I've I've heard that before. I've heard like you know like top yeah. ten list stuff like that, or, like just the different things about sci-fi, and it's like, oh man, the X Files. What the heck? What, what were they thinking? Trying to do it without Mulder? And at I the think. time, it didn't mean nothing to me because I hadn't seen the show. But but now like, that's
0: all that show.
3: Now you're but concerned, huh?
0: The uh the early seasons are the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just is what it is you you lose molder kind of halfway through the series and i mean we're not spoiling it for anybody except david except he already knows molder leaves for a little while and then the later seasons also really just focus on the
2: the mythology
0: and the alien stuff yeah and lose that monster of the week feel that i love so much
2: now did you watch, Daniel, the last two seasons that came out more recently over the last few years? Uh, I did. Okay. Because they did go back to doing a few monsters. You know, that the last season went back to doing kind of Monster of the Week episodes and had a few yeah. really good ones. In fact, yeah, one that, that I would that, list work. as one of my favorite of all time.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I just mostly think about the original run. You know, don't always. Right. My mind doesn't instantly go to the, the last two seasons, but even that season, the season before the last one was very heavily into the
2: the mythology. We stuff, had, yeah. they had leaned hard into the mythology at that point, and I think they were trying to get to an ending that they never got to get to.
0: Uh you're probably right.
2: Um but yes, um uh Mitch Pelleghi is a great addition to this show is Walter Skinner. And will basically be Mulder's and Scully's direct boss for yep. most of the rest of the series. Yeah. Cool,
1: cool, cool.
2: And he's, he's super, a super skeptic. Um, way more skeptical than even
0: um, Scully. Scully. But he's definitely a foil for them. He also never directly like opposes. No. He doesn't. So,
2: he 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 thinks Mulder's nuts most of the time, but it's one of those yeah. things where Mulder is so good at what he does that sometimes you it's can't dismiss it's it. so crazy and you still go, I, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah I lo- I love that part of Mulder, and that's the thing that they've been exploring these past couple episodes that I've noticed is that he actually is, is a, really guard, a really good He's a really good FBI agent and was really respected. And looked up to in the in the FBI before he got on that whole X Files kick thing. Well, he was so well he team.
0: was yeah, he was so well thought of that they gave him the freedom to do whatever he wanted. And when he picked the X Files, right. they all went, "Oh shit!" Yeah, like they, <laughs> I mean, they thought he
1: was joking. Like, like really? And and that's one of the reasons that they're kind of like so mad at him is because they kind of wish he would just use his talents elsewhere
3: for something um, important
1: yeah for quote unquote something important right, right. Uh, making us look good or whatever but um, yeah, yeah like I, I've noticed that is that he is really good at what he does and he gets on people's nerves for a couple different reasons uh, obviously and one of them and it's one of my favorites when he does it is just making other people look bad by being so good at what he does <laughs> Like when he's able to point things out that other people don't, and it's just like, "Yeah, you think I'm crazy because I'm doing this X-File stuff, but I can come over here and do your job, too, pal." Right. So just he's a little Sherlock off, Holmes little
3: sometimes.
1: Yeah, he, he like kind of walks really
3: in good. and like it's like, "Oh, well, duh, you know that should have been obvious."
1: Right. Yeah, and, and that that's what, it's just that's just another th- way that he gets on people's nerves and pushes their buttons. Right. And. I love it. I love I love that so much. I love seeing him do that. And
3: David's a big fan of getting on people's nerves and pushing their buttons. Right, Daniel?
0: Yeah, I don't know where uh, he got that from. <laughs> <laughs> I do, actually. His mama.
3: Yeah, definitely not his dad. Yeah. Never.
1: My mom?
0: I'm very laid back and he's <laughs> going. Yeah, right. I don't go out of my I am, actually. I don't go out of my way to push anybody's buttons.
3: Or to argue. Right, Andrew? You don't go out of yeah. your way to argue with people.
0: Uh, You're never contrarian. buttons often feel pushed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So,
2: <laughs> overall, just kind of to wrap this this up, David, like now that you've seen really the whole story of Eugene Victor Toombs, like what did you think about the character as, you know, and now that you've seen both parts of his story?
1: Based on just, like, the first episode, I would have just thought, like, oh, okay. Kind of about him, you know, like, oh, he's so creepy. But I'd, with this second episode, I think it really, like, gives him a lot more depth. And it's like, oh, man, he's, like, kind of a genius, isn't he? To have been going this long without getting caught. Like, Mulder points that out. It's You don't go this long without getting caught without doing something right. So he's not just some creepy dude. Like he and the way that he plays people and is that sociopath and, and tricks an entire jury into thinking that he's totally cool if he goes out on the streets again. Um, I I I really loved that and um, I love that as a villain to just pu- push Mulder's buttons. Yeah. Um, because it's one of those things where. Molder is able to see how dumb of an idea it is to let this guy out out, but people are doing it anyway and it's a great little foil to that and um I also I, I love the character and I love that like maybe it's, it's I love how it toes that line of like yeah it's like you know supernatural but also like they kind of explain it as like a genetic mutation kind of thing so it kind of like you know walks that line of of um, um, is it supernatural? Is it science fiction? You know, fantasy or science fiction? Like what is it? Um, so I like that a lot. Uh, I think the actor actor did a great job making Tombs just the creepiest oh, guy. The way that he looks at the camera mm-hmm. and and uh, it's great. Um, I really enjoy. I really enjoyed him as a villain to see Mulder and Scully go up again i think he was i think it was a great to have him return and, and for them to have to like battle it out it's like and it builds like some real tension of, of like they put this guy away and he was able to get out again they can't just put him back in prison you know like it, it, it really it was great at building tension so i i really liked his character as a villain uh for for the show yeah a couple of but i see why they brought him back i think it was great
0: yeah yeah, it was. I always thought we should have had more of him. Always thought we should have had more of Tombs. Yeah, it, that would that would have been a great recurring character. I will say this: I had one more thought about it. It's going to sound really stupid when I'm talking about a show that involves a character who's basically an immortal serial killer who can change his shape. at will, but it's sort of unrealistic that that guy got paroled. Even without the supernatural <laughs> part of it, even without the supernatural part of it, no guy who, no one who you know did what that guy did is getting paroled.
1: Well, but that's anyway. the thing. is that, I know you're right. You're, you're definitely right. And that's the thing, but that's why I liked it so much because I've seen, like, I, I I've heard stories like that and like, no, you, you, you think. But sometimes the people like Tombs, the, those sociopaths, are able just no, to don't. play the cards so well.
0: No, they don't. Okay. Well, none of them. Do do? None of them get paroled.
2: Well, they also didn't have Tombs uh, convicted on the serial killer charges because. Right. They, they never convicted that. him on the old crimes.
1: It is sad re- It is sadly realistic but, but that they, in real they, life somebody could do something horrible and then get out on the streets again and do it again.
2: They also pulled a plot line, a plot point from Dirty Harry. <laughs> the uh, fake assault charges against Mulder.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, though, it, I love Tombs. I wanted to see more of Tombs. I do think the way he died was really freaking cool I yeah. love the escalator
2: well, Glenn, Glenn um, Morgan actually created the episode after uh, riding and uh, riding an escalator in a mall mm-hmm. and having this idea of like this like creature living under the escalator right. and decided like after he thought about it a while it was like tombs is the perfect character to have living under an escalator
0: That's, yeah it just so I, I did creepy. really like the episode. Space is one of my favorite episodes. I geek out over that one. Andrew, you have my absolute permission to edit me geeking out over real-life astronauts. Whenever I went into the whole history about who Jim Lovell and Deke Slayton was, <laughs> that has nothing to do with this show. But that's why I love the episode of Space so much, because I geek out over NASA for real. So, anyway. And Toons is the greatest is is probably my my favorite supporting character in X Files. So, any Tomb's episode's a good one for me. Uh, but the other show we've been reviewing, we we had started out trying to go through the Star Trek movies and decided we needed after we finished the original series movies, uh, motion Picture the Undiscovered Country. We've been talking about Star Trek: The Next Generation, the series itself. Before we get to into the next generation movies. Um, And we've talked up to this point through Best of Both Worlds, uh, the season finale of season three and the season premiere of episode four. Um, So tonight, I think we're going to get through uh, seasons four and five. Um, And basically, my advice to all of my co-hosts here was watch everything Seasons 4 and 5 Romulan related. The Romulans end up playing a very big role in the middle seasons of this series. <clears throat> so, um, I'm actually going to start Marisha because she's probably my favorite Star Trek and fan we have here. The What do you think of kind of the direction? I've I've said before, and I think we all kind of agree, Four and, Seasons 4 and 5 are really the peak of this show. Oh, yeah. And, and and we we sort of changed some directions and had had some different focuses in these seasons. So what do you, what would what you think of that? Did you enjoy those uh the the things we focused on in these seasons? You
3: know, I've actually watched the entirety of season 4 or almost the entirety of season 4. Um and most of season 5. Um at this point there are a couple of episodes that i was like yeah i remember seeing that and i just skipped it um but it's been a while since i watched through it and um it just it goes some really interesting places um hey andrew would you pull up an episode list for me yeah for um for star trek because I, I need i need a reference here i really enjoyed the episodes with spock um I really really enjoyed getting to see you know sort of like traipsing around on Romulus and dealing with um kind of the idea the concept of pulling these enemies back into the fold you know which is kind of what we what we did with the Klingons but you know Spock is taking a completely different route because obviously he landed everybody in such incredibly hot water um you know trying to get them to to reconcile with the uh with the klingons so um i think that of of this you know this run those have been my favorite episodes um although there are a couple let's see let's see oh i really really enjoyed also um kind of getting to delve a little bit more into Data. I really enjoyed Data's day. You're just kind of going through and watching Data's sort of his just interactions with everybody on the crew. And again, I think Data may be my favorite character on the next generation. Like the 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 as I'm watching it through again, I'm really just becoming more and more just like I I think he I think he just may be the coolest person here. And I think that my favorite Um, conversation was him and Spock, because, you know, he's asking Spock, basically acknowledging, like, you know, you're half Vulcan, half human, but you have chose to embrace a Vulcan way of life. So, basically, you have rejected everything I've spent my entire existence pursuing.
0: Mm -hmm. I love those moments from the two of them.
3: Um, And that was like, as I'm watching that, it's like, wow. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty deep and that's such an interesting because in, in some ways I feel like data was sort of the, uh, and we talked about this last time data was sort of the Spock like character in a lot of ways, you know, kind of to provide a a different perspective on on kind of humanity. But I really loved the interactions between data and, and Spock and just sort of examining, you know, what it means to be human and, um, I think, and of course you got to, you know, you got to love the Q episodes. I, um, you know, Q, Cupid, <laughs> Q playing, uh, Q playing, um, matchmaker <laughs> and, uh, and, and pulling off some, some Robin Hood was, was pretty fun. But, um, yeah, I think those were probably my favorite. Uh, those were probably some of my favorite things just in, in the, those last two seasons. um, so anyway, that's that's my thoughts. At least that's the beginning of my thoughts. So, mm-hmm. anybody else? Uh,
1: I've I've loved getting to experience this show for the first time. Uh, I love all the characters, and I love in, in these last bit of episodes that we were assigned to watch. Uh, I loved seeing the different episodes focusing on different characters, mm-hmm. um, expanding all of them. Uh, mainly Data. It's it's obvious that the show was aware of the goal they struck with the character of Data and wanted to keep um, growing that and expanding that. And and the best episodes of the entire show, in my opinion so far at least, have been the ones that are focused on Data. I love Data's day just like you did. Um, I loved the episode where he gets a girlfriend and he's trying to figure all that out. Um, I, I, loved, I love the stuff with him and Spock. I really do. I just, God, I love Data. Um, there's something I love so much about Data that, uh, I, I, wrote it down like a week ago when I watched the episode, cause I want to talk about it. Uh, at the end of Data's day, he says, I will continue to grow, learn, and try to better myself. And that just really stuck with me because throughout these episodes with Data, we realized that he is a lot more human than he thinks he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that quote was great to me because continuing to grow, learn, try to better myself. Isn't that what all of us do every single day? That's what we all should do. That's what well, that's what we all should, all, all should do. That's what he says. Try, try to better myself. You know, he, he's mm-hmm. just trying and that's what we're all do is trying. And, and he beats himself up so much for not understanding certain things, like when he, and in in theory, whenever he pursues that romantic relationship and he's beating himself up for not understanding what to do, Do none of us understand what to do in relationships. It, truly. Um, it, it's We're all figuring it out, Dave. Like, I want to reach in and pat him on the back and say, we're all just figuring it out, pal. Like, we're all on the same boat, okay? Yeah. None of us know what to do. Um
3: I mean how what's more human than that? Trying to figure right, out yeah. Yeah.
1: exactly. exactly. What is more human than what data is doing? It's just he's on this this he's just more hyper aware of uh, of of that than, than we are, I think. And um and I love the way that he sort of doesn't feel emotions but so knows how to interpret them. And it's almost like you get this you get this feeling that he is feeling the emotions, but he's not, I know he's not really, but it's just, it it makes you think like, is he though? And he just doesn't understand them. Cause how many of us even understand our own emotions? You know, like we, we don't, um, we are, we are all so similar to data that it's kind of scary to me. You know, like that's what I'm taking away from all these data centric episodes is that we're all a lot more like data than data thinks or that we think. (laughs) Mm hmm. And, and I love that about him. I love the focus on him. I love another couple of my favorite episodes that we watched were the uh, end of season four, the beginning of season five, uh, those Worf-centric episodes about the Klingon Civil War. Um, mm-hmm. And wharf kind of having to make a choice, make these really difficult... Everyone's having to make these really difficult choices of who are they going to back. It's mm-hmm. really complex, and you have to think about it yourself. It's like, who are they going to back? Should the Federation get involved?
0: What should Worf do? Um and decisions he makes for the greater good, mm-hmm. at yeah, for the greater himself, good. right? right. And,
1: and, and for his family's honor, I love. And, and I love the battle. That's another thing I really loved about that. And it's similar to like the Data episodes. I love the Worf episodes because he's there's this great line at the end whenever he's asked to kill the child that mm-hmm. was opposing him. He goes to kill the child and the guy and he won't do it Of course, and someone's like that's the Klingon way and he says well it's not my way I love that line because what he doesn't say is it's not the human way it, It's and it's because he's struggling what I mean by that is he's struggling so much between if, he be, if he should be Klingon or if he should be human when what I think right. he's learned by the end of that episode is that he can just be himself
0: he doesn't right.
1: have to be one of them. It, he, he does it doesn't a, matter what the Klingon way is. It doesn't matter what the human way is. What matters is what his way is, because he's learned his own experiences and he's grown as a person and he is not beholden to what his forehead looks like.
3: Right. And and the goal is to actually be good, not to be a human or to be a Klingon or to be, but to to do what one believes is actually right instead of what is is the expectation for your he
0: he becomes a character he becomes a character through the series that does a pretty good job of taking the best of both cultures the one he was born into and the mm-hmm. one he was raised in he he does hold to that klingon code of honor and mm-hmm. family loyalty which even humans have to a certain degree yeah. um and and But also more of a human code of ethics and generosity and compassion.
3: Yeah.
0: And it, that makes him a fascinating character. Mm-hmm. The show's full of fascinating characters. And I want to ask y'all about one episode in particular. Mind's Eye. Did we watch Mind's Eye? Okay. Where Jordy was kidnapped?
3: Yes. Oh, my gosh.
0: That was, to me, that was the moment in the show where the, the Romulan... Influence in this show really picked up. Um, they
3: crossed the line there.
0: Yeah. That was a good one. Um, and I particularly, because I still remember the first time I saw it and Denise Crosby turned around in that chair. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. At the end of a mind's eye, whenever we get Commander Cela, right? who we later find out is Tasha's daughter back into yesterday's Enterprise when we sent Tasha back in time.
1: Yeah, I loved that. That was incredible. Yeah. Like The use of continuity, it just blew
0: my mind. Well, it, completely it was completely unplanned. When they wrote yesterday's Enterprise, completely unplanned. Right. They had simply, the when they, they worked, wrote, like, they wrote yesterday's ridiculous. Enterprise, yeah, they wrote yesterday's Enterprise, asked Denise Crosby to come back because they were going to you know, we can write Tasha back into an episode. If you want to come back and do it, she agreed. And then she came to them and she said, you know, I would like to somehow or another be in future episodes. That's why they created Selah, which I think is a fascinating behind the scenes story, but it I was really it. a great character. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Like I love whenever like she's telling the story of how her mother died and she has completely embraced the Romulan side uh-huh. Um mm-hmm. Her. She's like she's. It's like Worf in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Where like Worf has learned to take the good of both, but she has just completely embraced the Romulan side and was like, "How dare it my sh- mother try to sh- run away from
0: her?" Right. Completely yeah. ashamed of her mother, who is someone who is revered by the humans who knew her, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just a different. it's I Just yeah, the characters' fact. Super
1: interesting because we also we also in these episodes we met Yasha's sister
3: right
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and um and she had that same sort of relationship where it's like i can't believe my sister was a coward and left and it's like a coward right like did we know the same person like right. it's just really interesting how it worked out i love that episode uh where we got to meet her sister and stuff and i, I love the use of continuity and they keep calling back to it and using it so well and everything they do, like the returning characters, I love when they mention... One of the things I hate in storytelling is when it's obvious that they should mention something that happened before and they don't. You know what I mean? Where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, come on, I, you should have a comment about that thing happening. And they don't say it. Star Trek never has that problem. Yeah. They always are managed to call back in meaningful ways that enhance the story and and... Yeah, Each episode is great, but if you watch them all, it just it just creates this beautiful piece of continuity and story that is just unmatched,
3: yeah. I think. Well, and they managed to do some things that could be really hokey. You sent her back in time and she had a child on Romulus. You know, like a lot of times, especially sci-fi shows as they go. It just, sort, especially when they start doing time travel. So I feel, did, did anybody else watch Fringe? Yes. Okay. So I feel like Fringe, Fringe was,
0: was anyway.
3: particularly guilty of this. Like they sort of started with the premise and then it went on. They were like, eh, we're going to tweak that premise. And so like it was still a good story, but it didn't really fit with the established information that we have been given before
0: you would never expect that from a jj abram show now would you <laughs> it's a continuity that don't make sense that's unheard of,
3: unheard <laughs> of. but i feel like trek never fought i feel like a lot of people tried to emulate that the success that star trek had in sort of um Like coming, you know, sort of latching on to a line from previous episodes and making a whole episode about it, making it work. But nobody does it quite as well as Star Trek does.
1: That's true. Like every episode seems to tie back to another one in a really meaningful and great way. Like another episode we watched was Final Mission, um, Wesley's final mission on the Enterprise. And, Mm -hmm. and, And they talk about that time they took a shuttle ride together for six hours. Like I would never think. For them to mention that again, but right. they do, and it just makes the episode all the better. And, and I love that about Star Trek, and it makes it such a such a rewarding experience to watch the show and to be a fan.
3: Yeah, for sure, it's
1: so rewarding to be a Star Trek fan,
3: for sure. Aren't you glad we made you watch Star Trek, David? I'm very glad you made me watch Star Trek. I, I'm loving
0: it. Sh- there are some things in season six. I'm really excited to get into, too. We get some of Patrick Stewart's best stuff in season six.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to get back to the Borg. Yeah. Uh, whenever, I don't know when that's going to be. I'm, I, I just, I'm, I,
0: I love the Borg. Well, the, the Kardashians are going to be more of a problem here going forward.
2: The Kardashians are always a problem.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So if any nobody has got anything else, we can go ahead and wrap this one up then.
2: Now that we You're have good? exhausted Yeah, I think we've covered everything, everything for
0: tonight. Okay. Covered I have to a lot wake up in tonight. six hours, so it'll probably be another two before I actually go to sleep. <laughs> so, But anyway, so that'll do it for us tonight. And until next time, Marisha, where can people find you on the internet?
3: You can find me on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore Padawans. And you can find me on Twitter. I am ppadawans because apparently I do not have the wherewithal to keep a personal Twitter account and a Twitter account for my cosplay. So I just use the cosplay page on Twitter. So that's me on the Internet.
0: And Andrew?
2: All right, you can find me at uh, running the Twitter account for this show at sa underscore Fictionary. You can find me hosting our other show, of course, not Radio Underground. Or you can find me at thesciencefictionary.com. You can also drop us a line for the show uh, for, for any of us at thesciencefictionary at gmail.com.
0: And David?
1: Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at stay underscore creative DD. And you guys can also find me uh, on my YouTube channel, Creative D&D. I do podcasts. I do lots of nerdy stuff. Do Walking Dead videos. Uh, got some video game stuff coming up. Definitely check it out.
0: Awesome. All right, and I am Dan C. Peeps on Twitter, and we'll see you next time.